Good morning, everyone. My name is Kathleen Herr. My Dharma name is Wan Haju. And yes, this morning we're talking about when it's not beyond words and speech, the art of translation. So even if you have been journeying in one Buddhist practice for only a short while, this will likely sound familiar. Ilwan is the realm of samadhi, beyond words and speech. I like the sensation of beyond words and speech. When I hear that phrase, I feel myself relaxing. My mind inhales just the tiniest taste of unboundedness. Perhaps you have felt something similar. Our founding teacher, Sote-san, said that to experience ultimate truth means to know the realm where the pathways of words and speech are eradicated. Master Chung-san noted that language is extinguished in the realm of truth, making truth impossible to describe. And so it is kind of ironic that while the truth of the universe is beyond words and speech, one of the big activities in our temple requires us to focus very intensively on words and speech. The vast majority of this work involves translating original Wan Buddhist writings from Korean into English and then editing the English so that it flows smoothly and is grammatically correct. Collectively, our kyomanims and temple members have dedicated themselves to translating and editing our scripture book, chanting booklets, deliverance service booklet, informational pamphlets, head Dharma master messages, Dharma talks, books, emails, magazines, articles, announcements, songs, poems, and historical markers, among others. For many of us, this means that our daily practice regularly has us swimming in words and speech. When I first joined this effort, I thought that translation was a fairly straightforward process. However, I very quickly learned that translations are usually not simple word-for-word substitution projects. Consider this. A number of words in our chants and in our scriptures are Korean pronunciations of Chinese words that have no direct English comparison. So, in English, we say heaven and earth and birth and death. But these are actually translations of single words. Heaven and earth, chongji, means the entire seen and unseen universe. Birth and death, sengsa, means the arc of the single experience of birth, living, dying, death. But even if you, as an English-speaking person, know that sengsa means the singularity of birth and death, do you separate the words birth and death, and still does that guide you to understand it and experience it as two separate things? If you come to one Buddhism from a religious tradition based on a belief in God, does heaven mean spiritual and earth mean physical to you when we say heaven and earth? 
Here's something. Sentences in English almost always have a subject. Sentences in Korean frequently do not have a subject. English is a linear engineered language. Part A connects to B and then to C. Outside of poetry, our English sentences and paragraphs are put together like sturdy steel girders assembled into well-built bridges. In contrast, the translated Korean texts I sometimes encounter are like beautiful streams winding through mountains. However, when one of these perfectly good Korean sentences is directly translated into English word for word, the result is often very long and confusing. My job as an editor is to help shape a clear English translation of the original meaning, but I remain aware that I may be turning mountain streams into steel girders when I shape Korean sentences for English-speaking brains. Sometimes, native English speakers talk in ways that are easily understood by us but would be given a failing grade if reviewed by a professional editor. This can be very confusing for our Kiyomanims, who then ask themselves, why can't native English speakers agree with each other about what's correct in their own language? And what is correct English? Are we bound by editor style guides? Do any of us own English? No. The layers involved in the work and art of translation are many. Sometimes editors and translators disagree over style or about whether to choose a word that has historically been used in translation versus one that may bring about more clarity to the reader. Here are a couple of examples. One of One Buddhism's key teachings is about cause and effect, how our thoughts, words, and actions each start a chain of outcomes which can either be positive and wholesome or negative and damaging. There is a Korean word that describes the outcome of our actions when they cause harm, bo-ung. Sometimes this is translated into English as retribution, a word typically associated with vengeance, the act of retaliating, frequently violent, spurred by anger or fury. Is that really what is meant when we say the retribution and response of cause and effect? No. And what about the scripture phrase, wholesome and unwholesome karmic retribution? Does this mean wholesome and unwholesome vengeance? That simply doesn't make sense. Because the word retribution is so problematic, we sometimes use the words unwholesome consequences instead. While this might seem more neutral, some of our Korean-speaking kyomanims have expressed to me that this is not quite right either. Perhaps the word reckoning might be more accurate, as it can mean a full accounting. Recently, I was talking with Reverend Wong Gong about this, and she explained that the word boong 
the Korean word for when action causes harm, is actually two meanings joined together. Bo means return, and ung means response. So the word that gets translated as retribution in English is actually a combination of return and response. I was further amazed when she shared that the word bo is also the word that describes requital, as in the requital to the fourfold graces, which is the teaching that we have a responsibility to return the benefit of these essential graces, to pay them forward. Retribution is just one word. There are a variety that are often challenging or cause confusion. What about the word incantation? Although incantation usually refers to words or sounds to cast a magical spell, occasionally one Buddhist translators have chosen this word when they mean chant. This can be startling and confusing, as one Buddhism is a tradition based on truth and practice, not on superstition and magic. When we translate language, we are not just translating vocabulary. We are translating cultures and histories and then placing the results before individuals with their own cultures and histories. So, for example, depending on our background, the words venerate or worship may seem neutral, or we might think they are appropriate only when describing a person's relationship with God. From this second perspective, the guidance from one Buddhist scripture to venerate the public spirited or to worship Ilwan's song may sound like encouragement to put certain people on pedestals or engage in idol worship. But actually, the Korean meaning of these translated words is to deeply respect and honor something quite different. Words are powerful. They can cause us to react with happiness or heat. They can open windows of clarity or build barriers. And once they are out there, they tend to linger for a long time. But why have I just taken you on this short tour of some of the challenges that exist when one Buddhist texts are translated from Korean into English? Two reasons. Partly because all of us who come into contact with these texts, and it can be useful to know a bit about how they evolved and are evolving. And secondly, because of a standard about language given to us by Sotesan and the invitation to use it. When describing one Buddhist scripture and teachings, Sotesan said, We will compile all our scriptures in simple language that the general public can readily understand. And he also instructed us to make our doctrines accessible to all people by using simple language. Even though Sotesan was a Korean person writing for Korean people, 
Most of the traditional Buddhist texts in his time were written in Chinese, something that was unreadable by almost everyone but the educated elite. Because Sotesan wanted his teachings to be easily understood by all, he made sure his teachings were in Korean, which is written phonetically and is easy to read. His goal was to open the doors to access and remove barriers for everyone. Sotesan's standard of simple clarity and zero barriers remains our standard today. The goal in One Buddhism is to use simple, clear language that guides the mind and heart and does not impede anyone's spiritual progress. We have all been invited to weave Sotesan's standard of clarity and simplicity into our own practice and use it when we build bridges of translation between our languages and cultures. It is also important for us to be aware that the stream of language and culture do not flow in just one direction on the bridges we build. We are a co-mingled people here on the one Buddhist bridge of North America. Our brains have literally been shaped by a rich variety of languages and histories. Our lived experiences may not all fully align. Yet, each of us has a role to play in the embodiment and transmission of truth. Whenever you read something in our scripture book, chanting booklet, or on a screen during live streaming, you are participating in this bridge-building process. And since sincere questioning is a part of our One Buddhist practice, we have been invited to take a look around and kick the tires of the language we experience. If you come across words that are startling or unexpected, pause and consider their context or alternative meanings. Know that a lot of other folks likely paused and considered those same words before you did. And know that those words will be picked up and looked at again. If you have questions or suggestions, Reverend Wong Gong and Reverend Ziyang will be happy to help you out. Language is powerful, but it is not eternal. It is simply something made up of sound and shape that conveys meaning. And while the ultimate truth of the universe and enlightenment may be beyond words and speech, we as humans regularly use words and speech, and, and that's okay. In fact, Sotisan has told us that only the people who can clearly speak about Buddha nature can be said to have seen Buddha nature. So, with simple clarity and zero barriers as our standard, let us embrace the gifts and complexities of our languages and move forward in community on the One Buddhist Bridge of North America, word by word. Mm -hmm.
Thank you.